Welcome to this episode of Naked Men Talking, a podcast exploring naturism and the power of getting your clothes off. I'm Gareth Johnson. On today's episode, we're joined by Naked Fox, a lifelong naturist. Naked Fox is a photographer, a vlogger, and an advocate for the mental health benefits of naturism. Naked Fox, welcome. Wow. How can I live up to that introduction? <laughs> Where are the lies? Where are the lies? <laughs> Oh, I think it's always it's a confidence thing, isn't it? I think when people try and when, when people are, are explaining who you are, it's like, oh wow, that actually does quite, sound quite good. <laughs> is that me? Yes, that is you. <laughs> now, you describe yourself as a lifelong naturist, and I guess what led you to begin to identify and explore that sort of naturist identity? I think I think that's a weird question to answer because I don't think there was a moment when I thought, like, hang on a minute, I'm a naturist, and I mean, as as like I'm 50 years old now so like back in, back in my day I never thought I'd say that but it's only kind of recently that people have started using that term like identifying as as this that or the other and I think for for certain parts of the community that's that's really vital for them for ways like of accepting themselves giving them confidence inclusion things like that and uh, and their identity and if that helps that that's great but I think for me personally I don't know. I don't know what it is. I've always had this thing against being labelled. Uh, I mean, it, it's quite ironic, really, because I'm, I'm bisexual. I'm autistic. I have ADHD. I'm a content creator. I've spent a lot of time in my life working in the porn industry. So there's lots of labels there that I could quite happily <laughs> attach to myself. But I don't think any of them really define me. And I think it's the same with naturism. I think the problem with with, with labels is that. Right. I'm going to use an example. I hope this is like not too much for the start of this podcast, but I bought a sex toy online a few weeks ago and the labeling made it look like it would kind of make my other half redundant. It was just, it was advertised <laughs> that well. And uh, so, so the credit card got hit. Uh, it arrived, took it out of the box, which was really horrible, cheap plastic, switched it on. Disappointment doesn't come close. It was like the most overrated piece of rubbish I think I've ever bought. I think I would have got more pleasure humping a wardrobe, to be honest. <laughs> but it, it kind of it, it's kind of that example of how many times have have you bought something because of what it says on the label or what the uh -huh. label says it is, and it doesn't kind of it's not what you expected. And I think if that's that, I think that's my problem with labels is that people look at a label and don't see you, the real you, the beautiful kind of you that's inside. And as much as people like that for kind of inclusion and, and acceptance of themselves, I, I just, I don't know. This is a really long answer to how do I identify No, it, it makes some kind of sense. I was wondering, do you, as you were talking, the, do you think that's a bit an influence of social media and the way we present ourselves online is that you have to sort of give yourself some boxes so people connect with what the content is you're creating? Is that possibly one way? I think there's definitely an element of that. And I think that goes, I think for everybody, I think that goes right back to, to childhood. I mean, when we grow up all around us, we are kind of conditioned to feel better about ourselves if other people, or if we feel other people feel better about us. So things mm -hmm. like designer clothes, latest trainers, going to the gym, getting huge pecs and huge biceps and never doing leg day and <laughs> cars like matchsticks. And the bits that people see seem to be more important to us. And I, can, I think this comes back to kind of identifying and labels, but I think... 
I've always had this 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 built-in thing where I've always cared more about how I feel rather than how I look to others, if that makes uh, sense. No, that makes total sense. That sounds healthy to me. I think it does. And I don't know where it comes from because I had the most traumatic <laughs> upbringing. And you wouldn't think it wasn't a settled upbringing. And I think it's probably a coping mechanism uh. that, I've, that I've had that... I mean, I have these issues. I have mental health issues. I have kind of ASD and ADHD that I've mentioned. And so all, all the ingredients are there to kind of make me quite a chaotic person, which I am in certain aspects of my life. But I think the self-coping thing from childhood has probably given me that instinct to care more about myself and look after myself. Uh, a self-preservation kind of thing almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah rather yeah. Than, than what others think. But what was your relationship like with your body growing up then? You know, if, if you had that sort of traumatic sort of childhood, how did your sense of self emerge during that sort of period? I think I think we're probably all the same when it comes to that. I think we've all got insecurities about how we look. I think we all get bullied, don't we, as kids for some reason, whether it's uh, our noses, whether it's like bad hair, overweight, underweight, bit of a shiny face. We've all got that thing that's that, that bullies like to pick on. And I think it's probably the worst time of because I think when we're kids, the last thing we want is to be sowing these seeds of insecurity, whether they're, they're justified or not. I mean, we might be fat, we might be whatever it is, but it's you don't want that. I mean, saying that, I never, I don't think, I mean, childhood for me is quite a long time ago now, so I'm, I'm really having to kind of pause <laughs> and think back here. I don't think I ever had any hang-ups about how I looked. I wasn't a fit lad. I was a bit overweight. I had really bad hair, huge nose. It was shaped like a ski slope, which is what they used to call me. <laughs> Not sporty at all. I was always the last one to be picked at games, which so is horrible. So you didn't horrible. do locker rooms or that kind of thing? You weren't sort of... Well, this, this is the thing, because even though I was, I was kind of the least fashionable kid, the worst one at sports, in the locker room after games, I was always the one that was stripped off and not parading around the showers, but not really giving a toss about what people think. Uh -huh. No inhibitions about it. No so. inhibitions. Uh. But I wasn't even, I wasn't, I wasn't kind of there thinking, I'm naked, blah, blah, blah. I, it wasn't anything. I just don't think I even cared. I don't think I thought about it. And the bullies, the ones that were the last one, the, the ones that were picking me the last, were the ones that were in there in shorts. And uh -huh. kind of looking back now, you're thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I kind of know what my insecurities are and I know what yours are. So I think, I think that was probably a clue uh, to to the future of of me, yeah. Get, thinking back, that it's probably something inbuilt within me that that just I I just don't never have cared about what people think about how I look, and I did get bullied. I mean, I got I got got bullied a lot. So again, the signs are there that I should have been insecure and maybe over self conscious about my body, and I never was. What about some of your early uh, experiences of getting naked in public then? You know, whether you thought of it as naturism or not, how did you start to experience public nudity in the way that you sort of have embraced now? I think that's a funny question that's just triggered a, a very, very old memory that's probably quite relevant. I did used to get bullied a lot and I kind of got myself into a little group of about five or six lads that were very similar to me, bad hair, shiny faces, slightly overweight, didn't fit in, couldn't play football. <laughs> and we kind of gelled together and found ways to avoid the bullies. Uh, and one of those was we, we used to uh, skip Mrs. Pickle's French class and we used to all meet up in, I think it was an old PE shed, either an old PE shed or a canteen at school. And <laughs> as most lads of that age used to do, we used to find magazines that some of the older lads had left there and we used we kind of 
just masturbated. We just did what lads did. I, and it was, a, it was a great group. And the thing I remember is I was the one that always <laughs> took my clothes off to do that. And the other lads would be there kind of just trousers just a little bit down and pulling their, their kind of jumpers up and, and, and doing what we did. And I was the owner. It was completely. And again, it wasn't a, a kind of it wasn't an exhibitionist thing. It wasn't a sexual. Well, obviously, masturbating is a sexual thing, but it wasn't. But it wasn't a, a conscious sense. thought. I'm going to no, get naked kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. It just felt better for me. Yeah, to be naked. And uh, and I don't think any of the lads ever said anything. But that's that's. I think that's probably my earliest memory of it, where I, I remember not really giving a, a damn about it. And I think it's like you know how we learn behaviors. So, for example, if you go to the dentist and you have a bad, bad experience, people then are afraid to go back to the dentist. Even if you don't have a bad experience, you just get that anxiety. And I think the, the kind of school bully thing was like that with school. So I always had this 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 anxiety about going to school, this constant on edge kind of fight or flight feeling all the time. Mm. And for years, I hated going to school. But I think by the time I was in this group and we were having our little sessions in the uh, in the old sports shed, and it kind of started to change that feeling because kind of masturbating with them was a really kind of it was a buzzy experience i was naked i was getting that kind of feeling from being naked and of course kind of after orgasm you just completely chilled anyway yeah and so this feeling started to change and i think that might have been a way that i'm I kind of associated more of a, a chilled less anxious less stressed feeling from being naked and yeah, that's probably yeah, yeah. where that positive reinforcement might have started ah. going right back to those days. I don't know. I mean, I might be completely wrong because most lads do that when they're at school anyway, but and don't end up being kind of promoting naturism. But <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's an interesting concept that this kind of that you learn from positive experiences. I mean, I think that part of my school life was really kind of physically awakening. I've never considered my relationship with my body physically or sexually and i think it probably sparked a lot of awareness probably a turning point for me yeah in my own kind of physical awareness about how being naked kind of affects my emotions and and the way i think and and the way that my it affects kind of my mental issues because i think because they went back all the way all the way back then as well uh i want to get into that as well because you uh you know an advocate for the mental health benefits of naturism and, and i guess you know and you're talking about how you can trace that that back but how do you sort of start to connect those dots and think oh i should share this message with others because i'm getting these benefits how did that all crystallize for you i think that the, the the link with mental health has, has only come recently uh i've probably tried 30 years 30 i remember being dragged to a child psychologist at, at the age of eight Right. Uh, so what's what's that now? It's forty-two years ago. Wow. Uh, and ADHD, ASD, all these things—they they weren't being diagnosed back then. I was just no, a no, problem no. child. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I was dragged wherever I didn't want to go. Things that triggered me as as a young autistic boy were just me having tantrums, just me being being difficult. So I think. 30, 40 years of therapies, medications, antidepressants, anti-anxiety, CBT, hypnotherapy, psychotherapy, talking therapy, anything that you can think of I've been through over the last 40 years, and none of them have ever had the kind of effect that naturism does. I'm using naturism as a label. I mean, just Yeah, it's such a broad term, isn't it? Being when it can... naked. Yeah. yeah. Just being naked. It, just being naked. In, in whatever circumstance, in whatever situation, and, and it has to be 
certain situations, I'm not one of these people that will say, I am living naked all the time. If you come to my house, I will be naked. It's uh-huh. not like that. It's if, a situ- if, if I would feel in a situation better naked, I will do it. I will, I will be naked. And because that's worked more for me, I think, over 40 years, generally we're all the same, even though we're all very different. And if something works for me, then it's obviously going to work for some other people. Uh-huh. Maybe sure, not sure, everybody, sure, sure. but if it works for one of the... So I started talking about it probably about 10 years ago. And I was being a bit more open about it because it was something that I wasn't hiding, but I didn't generally talk about out loud uh-huh. because a lot of people don't understand it. And if you look at any kind of therapy, whether it be medicated therapy, whether it be a talking therapy, I mean, when you look at things like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, there are dozens and dozens of branches of that. Mm. And some will work for some and most don't work for most. But there's always a few people that share that kind of same acceptance to it. And I think when I started seeing that people were listening and then trying and then coming back and saying, wow, yeah, this is really this is really helping me. And and that just kind of fed into, well, yeah, maybe I should learn a bit more about this and try talking about it more. And uh, and so I did that. And I think the reason it works is that I think we spend as lives comparing. It's like you, you touched on social media earlier. And I think we always think, when we're looking at social media especially, would our lives be better if we did what this person was doing? Would I be happier if I did this? Would I be happier if I looked like that? Would my life be better if I started doing this? And you can spend hours going through reels on Instagram, can't you? And thinking, wow, the lives some of these people have. I've traveled Europe on £10 a week and things like that. <laughs> and there are always these 18-year-old lads, aren't they, with the great hair. And, just kind of, <laughs> and it's like, wow, I, I need to do that. And the reality is we can't. That, I mean, that's the reality. We, we, we can't do that. And even if we did it, there's a 99.9% chance that it won't change our life. We won't be like that. Or that even they're like that. You're comparing yourself exactly. to someone you don't know on the internet. It's madness. Exactly. I... I I put posts on my on my social media uh, and they're not kind of exhibitionist naked posts. They're just me living life uh-huh. uh, and trying to get this positive message across. And a lot of the replies are from people that are really self-conscious about their bodies and won't even accept that life can be like I post, uh-huh. which is a wake up call for me because I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. Am I actually feeding this false sense of positivity? Am I actually telling people, well, get naked and everything will be good and in a way i am and i have to kind of stop sometimes and think well actually no am i peddling this same crap that these are oh that these i think you're being harsh on like- yourself because that's not the message i get from your content it's not uh you know it's, it's not even super aspirational it's just saying i'm doing this and it's kind of authentic for me you might benefit from something it's, you're not preaching to anyone i'm glad you get that because <laughs> most people do most people understand it but i think I think the thing I'm sometimes not really that aware of is that there's a there's a certain amount of people on 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 this massive spectrum of of humanity whose confidence and expectation from life are so low that it's difficult for them to even understand the concept of being a little bit happier than they are. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. And so my I think my coming back to the the the, the why I talk about it. I think I see that people are just so falsely drawn into this this social media fakeness is to do the exact opposite. 
is to take it away, take away the control, strip everything back, accept your vulnerabilities. For me, that was one of the biggest things. I'm such a control freak in work. And that spills over into life, which is really unhealthy. Uh-huh. And by taking away that that control, by taking away everything and just leaving yourself vulnerable, not necessarily feeling uh, vulnerable and covering up and, and, and like that, but just taking away. If people cannot see the cover, the label, if people can't see the fancy trainers and the, the black shirt that's hiding your belly and, and this, that and the other and the, the briefs with the pouch that makes your dick look 10 times bigger than it is, <laughs> strip it all back yeah. and you've got absolutely no choice but to be yourself. Uh. And that includes you. That includes you seeing yourself. And if you've got body issues, yeah. one of the best ways of getting over body issues is to accept it. And yet it's horrible and it's crap and it's frightening and it's demoralizing. But what's the best way to overcome any fear in life? The best way to overcome any fear is to subject yourself to it, Uh isn't it? Desensitization. Exactly. And if that motivates you to do something to change, good. If it's just a way of accepting and being more comfortable with who you are, equally good. But either way, for a lot of people, including me, because I'm promoting it so much, it works. It has that positive effect. And I think when I see other people see anything like those benefits, that kind of motivates me to to just push on even more. You mentioned earlier about the positive impact that you feel by getting naked. And you talked about you know how you're not forcing that on anyone. But I was just interested in what circumstances or, or what type of nakedness is it that gives you the best feeling? Is there a public nakedness element to it or you know is any form of nakedness going to give you that endorphin boost or sense of authenticity that you're looking for i think a lot of it depends on the situation uh there is a very real a very thick line that separates for me and again go i hate using labels but for, for this example i think there is a huge divide between naturism in the way i practice and believe in it an exhibitionism. Uh huh. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. And so the the way I, and I, I I use the word naturism and naturist because it's a label that people understand. Uh-huh. But for me, I don't walk around all the time naked. For me, if I'm in a situation where I can be naked, it will reduce my stress and anxiety instantly. If I'm feeling stressed, if I'm feeling uh, just anxious for any reason i can and if the weather's allowable which it isn't today i could go out for a walk uh, i'll get to a certain point where i know there'll be nobody about and i'll just take my clothes off and and walk and it's a combination of just going back to what we were saying about control it's taking away that control i'm not covered up i can feel the air on my skin i know i'm completely naked and it's it's a feeling i think that you've got to experience to understand because if you're walking, if you if you if you close your eyes, I'm actually doing this as I'm talking as well. If you close your eyes when uh, and, and walk with clothes on, you can feel your clothes. You you sense your clothes yeah. on you. You probably won't feel it if you're not focusing on it. If you are walking naked and close your eyes, you feel the air. Oh right. And it's when they talk about people who are blind or deaf, the other senses are enhanced, mm. and it's it's the same thing. And you can do this. You can do this at home. Just stand by a back door if you've got nobody outside that back door and just open the door and just close your eyes and feel it. And you can feel that kind of freedom, that vulnerability, 
that just doesn't feel like normal life. Again, it's very difficult to put into words. Outside of, no, I think that's totally right. Outside of your normal experience, you know, outside of your comfort zone for some people in some respects, but it is a consciously different state of being somehow, isn't it? That's exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, just touching on the exhibitionist thing, I don't get anything from being seen. I, I tend to, if I go walk in, where I live in Highland Scotland is, I think the the population density in the region I live in, which is just imagine a map of Britain go as far north as you can, and that's where I am, <laughs> uh, literally as far north as you can look. And I, th- I think it's five people per mile, but a lot of that is concentrated into the villages. So I can I can go walk in and cover a dist. Uh, I can go walk in in a in a space that probably encompasses I don't know five or six hundred square miles and not see a soul and i can go walking every day and not see a soul your videos of your walks your rambling through the highlands are spectacular because the scenery spectacular but it's also that sense of you naked in that landscape it's really incredible you must get a lot of really positive feedback on that yeah i do and i think it's an aspirational thing because very few people have access to landscapes like that do they yeah that's exactly right and you combine that feeling when i was talking about closing your eyes and just feeling the environment around you but you're vulnerable to that environment you're not wearing anything that in itself is such an awesome feeling to experience but then combine that into that kind of landscape mm. where there is just hills as far as you can see, hills and the sea and lochs and nothing. Not a sound, just maybe a bird, but either there's not even that many birds up there. It's yeah, just yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. far out. And to combine the two, it just for me, it's 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 a great experience. But I can it's not just that I can I can combine a walk in the hills. I can go walking maybe fifteen hundred, two thousand feet up to to one at the top of the one of the hills. I'll I'll go for a swim in one of the little lochens at the top, which is like a little lake, and then I'll walk back down and and just swim in the sea. And it's just a dream. It's an absolute yeah. dream. And it was one of the reasons that I moved here because I knew I knew what it was like. But you don't have to have that environment around you to experience it. No, I think that's a really important point, isn't it? Like, that's amazing, but you can still get those benefits in your day-to-day life, wherever you are. That's exactly right. Uh, the Most of the messages I get, I probably get a dozen or more messages a day from people saying they want to do it. Uh, I live in the center of London. How can I do this? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, well, that's difficult. Uh, what outdoor space have you got? Well, I've got a balcony, but it looks out onto onto the M4. Right, well, maybe that's not such a good idea. <laughs> Depends uh, what your motivations are, though. If you want people to see you. <laughs> and again, I think a lot of people do get a buzz from the exhibitionist side of it. Mm. And I don't think it's I don't think it's 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 such a clear cut spectrum when you think of it that way either, because. I mean, I can, I can be both. I, I can, on my social media, on my Naked Fox social media, I'm very strictly naturist and promoting naturism and uh-huh. mental health. Non-sexual content. Non-sexual content. Yeah. I have uh, a main job, which is uh, we live on a, a, a croft in Scotland. We used to live on a narrowboat and we have quite a large YouTube channel with quite a large following. And I think we have, we have a series on Amazon Prime and combined it's about 100 million views a year, which is huge. huge. And 90% of them don't know that I'm a naturist, which is great because they're very, very separate things. Uh-huh. And a lot of people won't understand or don't want to understand. And I'm not going to mix the two and force the two. It's just a part of me. But then 99.9% of that audience don't know that I was 
in porn for 20 years. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. again, and then 90% of the people who follow my naturist content don't know that I was in porn for 20 years and that I have an OnlyFans. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it's it, because- but why, why do you keep those elements of your life so distinct? Is that a conscious decision or it's just the way it's evolved? It's very, very conscious. Uh-huh. Uh, and and the, the I mean, the main reason is that a lot of people who don't understand the benefits of naturism and personally what I get from naturism, for whatever reason, aren't able to differentiate naturism to pornography and perversion. Mm. Uh And they'd automatically link the two because a lot of people think that nudity is sexual. And in some respects it is, but in some respects it isn't. There are a lot of, I'm using this term loosely just to try, try and get across how I think, but there's a lot of, puritan type nudists who would be even more incensed at the thought of any kind of sexualization Uh, of nudity than than people who don't do nudity and it's it it can be very polarizing and the reason that i keep them so separate is because i'm very i'm welcomed within the nature's community even though i'm not a very social person but i'm welcomed and, and an active part in that community and the reason i do that is because i want to get this mental health message across because that's more important than OnlyFans. Yeah. fans it's more important than everything else i do uh-huh. and if i start to get that message mixed up and have people saying oh well he's doing this because he does this yeah it distracts from the message itself doesn't it exactly exactly yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, and yeah. it takes away and it's because i don't do it for the enjoyment i do only fans for the money i'm going to be uh-huh. honest uh-huh sure that is it. It's an income. Porn was an income. It was an easy income for me for twenty years, and I've no hang-ups, and that's why I did it. But I'm fifty. <laughs> I'm definitely in a certain category of. There's still a niche for it. There's definitely a there niche. Is, oh, I know. That, <laughs> hence the OnlyFans. But it's not as big as it was when I was twenty years old. The audience, uh, and so and so, yeah. That's why I keep them different. For me, at fifty, the the me- the mental health message, especially when you look at the mental health support that we have. I think around the world, not only in the UK, I get messages from people in, in the States yeah, as well. Yeah, not great wherever you are, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I think that the mental health message to me is more important because I've struggled for 40 years, and if I can help one person just make their life, their day, just that little bit better than it is, then that's really worth it for me, and that's why I keep them separate. Speaking of different parts of your life, you're also into bees. <laughs> that seems like a hobby or a pastime that's not very compatible with you know getting naked all the time. It's, it's weird because when when I've always wanted to keep bees, I've always been I've always been scared of bees. I'm one of these people that if a bee or a wasp comes to me, I am the one screaming and flapping <laughs> my arms about. It. I really am. So I think it's going. It was going back to this kind of overcoming the fear in a way. Mm. Uh, so I got I got two beehives and two colonies of bees. I had the plan of starting a separate YouTube channel and calling it the Naked Beekeeper. And I thought, well, no, because I'm just going to get the same message from everybody. Isn't that a little bit dangerous? How, what if you're allergic to it and all this stuff? But also, all the footage would be of you in a big white suit, like, which defeats the purpose of the title. So. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, a uh, <laughs> little bit of a kind of uh, spoiler, I am actually always naked under the suit because... <laughs> Because the suits, if you kind of Google stingproof bee suits, it's quite a mouthful. Uh, they're, they're made out of this kind of white mesh that is semi-see-through in certain lights from certain angles. And so whenever I'm filming for our other YouTube that's got quite the big audience, I'm always very careful how I'm doing it because I have to not wear anything under it because it is so hot. <laughs> 
that I just anybody would sweat and 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 sweaty when you're filming is not really it's not attractive and I know I go on about not caring what people think but I want to try and look at least when you're on camera you need to look your best (laughs) yeah if I'm sweating it gives the impression that I'm frightened to death which I more often than not am uh, so yeah, so you don't really see it. There is there is one thumbnail on one video where I, I kind of looked and thought, yeah, there's definitely a shadow there. <laughs> In the right light, you can see everything. <laughs> yeah, need to get that into Photoshop immediately. Um, yeah. Now, I guess my final question, and you touched on this a bit earlier, was that if someone is interested in giving naturism a go and you, you get queries on about this all the time, what advice or guidance do you give them? I think everybody's different. And the thing I've noticed about people who message me asking how you get into it is they, there's always a reason not to when mm. you ask them. Because the first thing I'll say is what's stopping you? Yeah. Because the, the, the key to naturism is literally taking your clothes off. And yeah, not a it. huge Done. barrier to entry. So, yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no training course. There's no membership or subscription or, or anything. Equipment it's required. Just, no. Yeah. Yeah. Take your clothes off. You're naked. Yeah. So the first the first question I come back with is what's stopping you? And and it's it's body confidence. Uh, it's it's self confidence. It's uh, body issues, physical issues mostly. Uh, then you get into things like, well, what if somebody sees me? What if I get arrested? What if my reputation is ruined and I lose my job and all the catastrophizing begins yeah. before they've even taken the top off? <laughs> You're still so, <laughs> not naked. <laughs> yeah. So th- the first thing is to find out what's stopping them and then tackle that. And 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 for every reason that I've ever been given, there's always been, uh, well, actually, you'll be okay because the reality, I mean, a lot of people in the UK are worried about the legality of it. And it is legal in the UK, as long as you're sensible. There's laws protecting things like flashing. And as long as you're not waving it about outside of school and yeah, it's causing in front of women and things UK, like that. It? It's quite, exactly. It's exactly. quite simple to understand, yeah. The lo- there is a line, and i see if I can remember it. Nudity in public alone with no aggravating features is unlikely to amount to an offence. Yeah. That's it. And it's Done. just common sense. Yeah. Common sense. You could literally walk through a town naked, and as long as uh-huh. you're just doing that kind of flaccid, not looking at anybody, not causing a fuss. You could do that and not get arrested. You might get approached and asked to cover up, but that's kind of an extreme version of it. Yeah. If you're going out in the countryside... And you happen to run into someone, there's no problem, is there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I always try and choose places where I'm least likely to run into anybody. But saying that, I mean, 30 plus years I've been doing this, I've probably seen a thousand people or more. And I've never once, never once had a negative reaction to it. And yeah. I think the, the the key to it is to, well, the first thing is it's like jumping into a cold swimming pool. <laughs> once you've done it once and you kind of got used to it, a lot of that fear the next time goes away. Yeah. And you probably just wouldn't jump into the cold pool again. But yeah, <laughs> a, a lot of the fear kind of disappears. And it's the same if somebody sees you when you're naked mm. because you've always got this fear fear of what might happen, what might go wrong, what might they say, who might they might report me, they ring this, that, and the other. And once it's actually happened and you realize that people are not bothered. Yeah, and nothing's happened. That fear goes away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. a lot of people say to me, well, how do I know that people are not going to be bothered? And again, there's there's a very simple answer. And I'm, I'm going to ask you this, because we haven't rehearsed this, have we? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, right. If you were out walking somewhere in, in the woods, somewhere quite remote, lovely, peaceful day, yeah? Yeah. And a, a chap came walking towards you, no clothes on, looking quite relaxed, smiled, said hello, and walked on his way. 
what would your thoughts be? Oh, that looks nice. I would like to do that as well. <laughs> Yay! You wouldn't think to stop and have called the police. No, exactly. Because, you know, it's not impacting you negatively anyway. So where's your damage? But also it's exactly. inspirational, I think. It's like, oh, maybe we could all do that. That'd be great. <laughs> exactly. Most people think that other people are going to be offended. Exactly. But if yeah. you actually ask other people... Yeah. Who are these people that are going to be offended? Very yeah. few. Yeah. yeah. I just asked you and, and you... And nobody ever, ever has a problem. I mean, the problem... There's probably going to be one now. Somebody's going to go out now and have like the worst <laughs> get reaction. Yeah. yeah, and you're going to get a comment on this. So, you know, you told me this. But the, the key is, is, is just be sensible. I mean, if it means going on Google Earth and just looking at places, trying some naturist forums, looking for some, some groups and, and, and just finding out places where you can try it. If it means I've even had people who started their naturism journey just by sleeping naked. Yeah. Baby steps. Yeah, that was how they had to start. Yeah. And it's different for different people. But once you kind of desensitize yourself to it and you start to experience the positive benefits of it, it's very addictive. And it, you get, I get such a buzz from it. And it's not about people seeing me because I get the same buzz up on the top of the hill where there's yeah. nobody. There's nobody yeah. around. And I feel exactly the same as I would feel if I was in a, a room and there was 20 people and I was the only one naked. Amazing. Well, that's excellent advice. That brings us to the end of this episode. You can find me on Twitter at GTV London. Today's guest has been Naked Fox. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Naked Fox underscore. Stay naked, stay sexy, and we'll see you next time. Bye.